On this edition of the Iowa Business Report. It's going to be important for Iowa not only to solve them, but solve them quicker than our competitive states. Some new laws are taking effect with the start of July. That gives us another chance to review the last legislative session with two Capitol Hill veterans. Iowa business leaders are expressing cautious optimism about the second half of the year. And in our business profile, you'll hear about an Iowa-based marketing firm that continues to rack up national honors after more than four decades. This is the Iowa Business Report for Independence Day Weekend 2022. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. We've talked a fair amount on this program recently about new laws passed by the Iowa legislature this year. That's because there were a lot of them with direct impact on Iowa business and the economy. J.D. Davis and Brad Hartkopf work in the Public Policy Division of the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. I caught up with them recently during the Iowa ABI conference in Dubuque to get their take on this session of the General Assembly. Well, now we've got a month, J.D., in the rearview mirror, roughly, of the legislative session. As you look at an overall scorecard, do you feel good about things with regard to impact on business? I think absolutely, Jeff. I think uh, the head of ABI has called this a a once-in-a-decade session for businesses. Some of our long-term priorities have come to pass, and uh, we're looking forward Uh, in the coming years to to work even harder to get more done for Iowa businesses. What led to this session being so pivotal, especially during an election year where often people are a little shy about getting too far out there? What was it about the circumstances this year that led that result to take place? I think there were two things. I think that uh, number one priority that Uh, the association was working on was unemployment reform and we've been working on that for a period of years and the awareness was there now in the the legislature it was time to get going on that the governor made it a priority in her state of the state address and then the second thing that really helped this year was that typically the end of sessions become time for tax talk and we passed a tax bill in February and we really had a plenty of time then here at the end of the session to be working on policy bills. So I think the two things combined led to success this year. And Brad, that's such a great point because usually we think of the last hours of the session being budget and taxes. It's all fiscal and this was very different and so how did that allow you to pivot in terms of the conversations you had with lawmakers on behalf of ABI? Well, one issue in particular was a pharmacy benefit manager legislation, and it was literally the last bill that was debated in the House before they adjourned for the year, and that is something that we had worked on uh, since February and tracked until the very last day, and pleased to uh, uh, tell our members in your audience that we were successful in uh, doing what we needed to do there to have uh, some reforms that help local rural pharmacies, but avoid some other pieces that we had been working on. So uh, with that and unemployment, as J.D. talked about, a very successful year for business and industry. I mentioned that this is an election year, and so now that the dust has settled, you're looking ahead. You're now through the primary season, so now we know who's on the ballot in November. Is there a broad concept of what to look for this election season based either upon what just happened in the legislature or how some of these legislative races came out? 
I think when you looked at the results after the primary, a lot of surprising and very impactful results. School choice, pro-life issues, and some other things were really driving a lot of voters in in both uh, Republican and Democratic races. And I think on the Republican side in particular, seeing just the the number of incumbents that lost on the, the House Republican side. And we were watching those races closely to see some challengers who beat incumbents and then fellow incumbents facing one another following redistricting. So we're excited to work with folks who win after November to educate them on our priorities for 2023 and excited to have those conversations coming up. And J.D., to Brad's point, there were some surprises in terms of the primary. Some of it had to do with results. Some of it had to do with endorsements. It was a little different landscape. Do you have a sense of what long-term impact that will have in terms of moving public policy forward? Well, I think we're going to wait for a little time to understand that, and that's that's not a dodge. It just has not occurred in Iowa before that we've had primary races within parties that party leaders have taken positions in to move candidates on policy issues. Uh, And so now it's very policy-driven for getting to the statehouse. Uh, That's new. It's not new in all the states, but it's kind of new to Iowa. So, Brad, as we look toward the general election, you and your team have put together some materials that help people understand who's running. There may be some endorsements, et cetera. Give a sense of where members of the general public, but also your membership, where they can go to get information that might help them in making a voting decision in November. Sure. Well, one thing that we do have is our IAVotes.com website. It's a grassroots feature that allows uh, individuals to see how their legislator, being a representative or a senator, voted on key ABI issues. We're still in the process of putting those voting records together for this past General Assembly, but those should be available this summer for our folks and the public to consume. And so, uh, again, it's going to be an interesting summer and fall to see how these campaigns uh, develop and unfold and what issues emerge as what will put people over the top in November. So looking forward to that. You're now, J.D., to the point of starting to meet with ABI members and have a series of these conversations to help get a sense of what the public policy division you folks will be taking forward and looking out for. Do you have any sense broadly of what some of these things might be, understanding that you're just now starting the discussion process with your members? Our members have done a very good job of having us focus on the hard-to-crack issues. So our priorities for a couple of years now have been workforce issues, taxes issues. I think those are going to lead to what we're going to be working on in 2023. We have not solved the workforce issue of getting enough workers for the jobs that are available in Iowa. So we'll continue to work there, working on knocking down the barriers that are keeping people from joining the workforce or move them out of the workforce in the first place, like uh, availability of childcare, housing stock for workforce. Those are issues that are perennial now that uh, it's going to be important for Iowa not only to solve them, but solve them quicker than our competitive states so that we can keep a strong workforce and attract people here. And Brad, finally, to pick up on what J.D. just said, competitiveness is a big thing. Do you think that the moves that have been made this year in particular with regard to statehouse, that is, does that put Iowa in a more competitive situation with regard to our neighbors? 
I certainly think so. And I think going back to a number of years now, we've had a lot of success at the Capitol. And uh, then Governor Branstad and now Governor Reynolds have signed many pieces of legislation that have made us more competitive. When we look at what J.D. talked about earlier on unemployment, uh, reforming that system that hadn't been touched for many, many years and uh, making sure that employers were uh, having the opportunity to take advantage of the trust fund and making sure that that was solvent for those who need those benefits. We're moving in the right direction and it's really just a matter of uh, keeping the foot on the gas and not being apathetic uh, moving forward. we got to keep working hard. J.D. Davis is vice president for public policy. Brad Hartkopf is director of public policy, both with the Iowa Association of Business and Industry, online at iowaabi.org. Still to come, looking ahead to the rest of the year, and we'll profile a business that helps other businesses get their messages through. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. Looking for a great summer read? Get the July-August issue of Iowa History Journal to discover the journey of Iowa space explorer James Van Allen. Revisit your childhood through the house with the magic window. Learn about Sioux City's World War II Army Air Base and read the finale of our Making Waves series, which highlights Joe Dumont. Get your copy of Iowa History Journal at Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Hy-Vee, Fairway, and iowahistoryjournal.com. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, leading successful business, innovation, growth, and transitions. Search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook and get more at AdvanceIowa.com. We're now into the third quarter of 2022, and each quarter the Iowa Business Council surveys its members on factors such as projected sales, capital spending, and workforce levels. Joe Murphy is executive director of the Iowa Business Council. He agreed that the new numbers are a bit of a mixed bag. We really had a nice V-shaped recovery, at least in our survey, from the pandemic. And while this survey result is positive, it's our eighth consecutive quarter of positive outlook from an economic standpoint, we are facing some economic hurdles as we look over the next six months. And I think you see that in the survey results. And I think you're seeing that not only among Iowa Business Council members, but smaller and medium-sized companies in Iowa as well as they begin to prepare for what may occur. Inflation is definitely a driver of that. We've also talked about workforce and the availability of a talented labor pool in Iowa that continues to hamper some things. In addition to inflation, the thing that I really have looked at and keyed in on is that supply chain. Every single business in Iowa has some sort of logistics situation surrounding its products and coming to market. Our members continue to cite supply chain as one of the top three issues that they're dealing with on an everyday basis that obviously has an impact on inflation to having an ever-increasing spike in upward pressure on prices. But really the issue that I see with the supply chain is that the vast majority of our members have said that they don't expect things to get better in the next six months. And so as we think about economic headwinds that our companies are facing, that's a major one that will not only continue to cause production delays and issues, but will also continue to impact inflation in the wrong way. That will continue to put an upward pressure on everything, on every price point. 83% of your survey respondents said there'd be no change in supply chain, that appears to just be an accurate reflection of things. It's not pessimistic, it's actually just realistic, and 
that may be uh, much more important because they've got their head screwed on straight. They see what's ahead, and they're not just looking to the sky saying, oh, I'm sure it'll all get better. They're prepared for what may come. That's absolutely right. You took the word I was going to use. It's the realistic view of the situation as they see it. They are plugged into every point along their supply chain, and that's something that they can see and forecast in a very real way to again use that word. And these are national forces colliding with one another. There's international forces at play too. If individuals don't think that the situation in the Ukraine has an impact here at Iowa, they're fooling themselves. I mean, that is a huge supply chain issue as well. COVID lockdowns continuing in China continue to have a huge impact on supply chains here in Iowa and for Iowa businesses. And so these are things that you can look at with a very realistic sense of the situation and make business decisions taking that into account. That's the main thing that they're trying to predict at this point. It's still good. It's still robust. It's just not quite what it was three and six months ago. That's right. A slight decline in sales, to your point. And I think that's sort of a leading indicator, right? Over the next six months, our companies, our firms are projecting less sales as they think about the next six months. And so that will have you know, a negative impact on our overall survey results. And, and again, that being a leading indicator, what individuals think might occur in the marketplace, a tail off in sales is not a good thing. It's not something that Iowa companies or any company wants to project. But again, being clear-eyed about the situations that they're facing, being upfront about those challenges, and then taking business approaches necessary to sort of buffer themselves or insulate themselves from any potential downturn that we may face. Joe Murphy of the Iowa Business Council. Follow them on Twitter at Iowa Biz Council. Coming up, the ever-expanding field of marketing options. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. My fellow Iowans, welcome to Soybean Summer. Whether it's renewable fuel for road trips, oils to prepare your favorite ballpark foods, or running shoes to stay active between every scoop of ice cream, which can be made with soy too. Soybeans are shaping up to be the unofficial sponsor of Summer Fun. This summer-inspired message was brought to you by Iowa's 40,000 soybean farmers and the Soybean Checkoff. Find out more at iasoybeans.com. Support for the Iowa Business Report comes from the Iowa Business Council, a nonpartisan nonprofit organization working to elevate Iowa's economy through leadership, research, and advocacy. Learn more and review the latest competitive dashboard data by going to iowabusinesscouncil.org. In our business profile, we'll introduce you to Strategic America, an Iowa-based marketing firm with a long history of national experience. Mike Schreers is the founder and chair of Strategic America. It seems hard to believe that we are now celebrating about our 42nd plus year of being in business. We started in 1980 in Waterloo. Over the years, we've grown. Our office is now in Des Moines. We have a national clientele, a regional clientele, and a statewide clientele with about 130 people. We do integrated marketing across the board from data to digital to brand to creative to media to direct to social and web and everything in between. When you first started this, the concept of integrated marketing was still 
pretty new, and it certainly did not include half of the things you just mentioned because they weren't even around back then. No, they weren't. You know, advertising at that point had, I think, if you will, graduated from the madman days to something that was a little more limited, but still exciting and very much imaginative. I think in 1980, CNN had just started the 24-7 news cycle. That was significant. But the choices in terms of media were pretty limited. Data wasn't really something that we were able to articulate. Everybody was still trying to answer the question that uh, Wanamaker asked, if I knew which part of my budget I was wasting, I wouldn't spend it. Um, But today, we can pretty much identify attribution models and uh, what each aspect of that uh, media buy is actually working. And that is such an important distinction because before you might have had radio or TV ratings, but they did not hone in on the specific message. You might have done direct mail. Maybe if it was a coupon, you could see how much return you got. But the ability when you're talking about these digital platforms to zero in on specific users and how many and how long they've stayed with whatever product, that's just not only fascinating, but it is a sea change in terms of how you make recommendations to clients, I assume. You bet. And frankly, accountability has always been one of those things that clients have looked for. Sometimes um, the industry hasn't been able to catch up to what the client's desires are. But in today's world, really, It really is true, and you're right. Digital has driven so much of the accountability and the data availability so that we do know what that delivery is in terms of outcomes and expected outcomes. As you noted, you built the company from a base in Waterloo, then moved to the Des Moines metro area. What is it about the culture that you've been able to foster, the location, the mindset? What is it that has allowed you to not only survive but thrive four decades in at a time when it seems more and more entities just get bigger and bigger and swallowed up by other entities, but you have quite a base right there in the heart of Iowa? You must have done some research because we're very proud of our culture. And our culture is not only built around supporting and nurturing our individual associates. By the way, we're an ESOP now within the last six months, an employee stock ownership company. So that means that more than likely, it's not going to be sold to a conglomerate. We're, We're going to be able to keep our culture in place and frankly, build upon it. It's a culture also that's built on innovation. Our mantra, if you will, is finding a better way always, and that's innovation. That's innovation in terms of products, in terms of processes, uh, and in terms of the way we think. There's status quo isn't good enough. There's always a better way. And I noted the ESOP approach because that is increasingly being looked at by companies that want to preserve what they have as part of a potentially multi-generational succession strategy, as opposed to For example, a founding generation deciding it's time to do something else, selling to the highest bidder, and off they go. And that changes the dynamic of the company and the communities that the company serves. That's exactly right. And we're a part of the four A's, the American Association of Advertising Agencies. I serve on the Government Relations Council with this organization. 
every meeting we get together and say, well, what new happened? And I said, uh, well, we just signed all the paperwork on being an ESOP yesterday, not yesterday specifically, mm-hmm. but uh, about two or three of the members of that select group of about uh, 15 people just about fell off their chairs because they were in the process of doing the same thing. And they said, we need to talk. (laughs) (laughs) How was that received by the employees? And I phrase it that way because change is difficult, although you're in a profession where change is paramount. When you say the ownership is changing, that can send ripples running through uh, the floors of the building. So how easy was it for the culture to adapt to this new formula? Well, first of all, there's an awful lot that goes behind the scenes. I mean, there's the Department of Labor regulations. uh, There's a lot of preparation, valuation, all of the kinds of things that, frankly, we didn't really understand before we got into it. We just knew it was the proper model to move forward. The next five years, what do you anticipate if we were to reconnect in five years? Where will Strategic America be and how will what you do change? It's a tough question, but the great hope that I have is that in an arena, in an industry that is so dynamic and so quickly evolving and changing, and frankly, with all of that, the tools that we use are also so fragmented and new. My hope is that we've got a sustaining model that's not just grown, but it's grown stronger. The strength will come from our culture and the strength will come from our people. And the strength will come from our client relationships. Still as much fun as when you were doing television and then migrating to this different form of making a living? It is still fun. If it weren't, I would have been out of here several years ago. (laughs) I'm here because I, I love it. I love the people that I work with. I love our clients. I know that all sounds a little bit Pollyannish, but it's really true. I mean, it just feeds my, not ego, but my worth in terms of what we do and what we deliver. And It's really great, Jeff. Mike Schreers of Strategic America. More online at strategicamerica.com. We spoke via Zoom on Tuesday, June 28th. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. And we're also found on all the major podcast distributors, 19 now in all. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, leading successful business, innovation, growth, and transitions. Search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook and get more at AdvanceIowa.com. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a safe holiday weekend and a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.